Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Hey guys, welcome back. Episode number 102 coming right at you. This episode is called A Lesser Known Approach to Parenting. Now you'll notice something a little unique in that I'm not the host in this episode. My friend Tiffany Johnson from What's the Word podcast is the host and I am the guest. This was borrowed uh, a borrowed recording from her show that I thought was just such a great uh, great episode, great conversation. I wanted to make it available to y'all. Now listen, those of us who are parents, we know how looming and big the job is. We all desperately want to do good and not many of us really feel like we have it handled, myself included. However, we have all learned many wonderful wisdoms along the way and that's what I bring in this episode. There is no one size fits all and no one can parent your kids better than you can. So take what you can from the episode, throw away the rest, but I hope it enriches you and encourages you and maybe gives you some little uh, unique ways of doing things that you might not have thought of, but would be easy to incorporate. So let's jump into this episode. But first, a word from our sponsors. Yes. Well, welcome to another episode of What's the Word? I am really excited because... Jenna Lee Samuel is my guest for this podcast, and I am so excited because she means so much to me personally, and uh, she also is a podcaster herself and a pastor, and so welcome, Jenna Lee. Hey, girl. <laughs> so good to see you. I mean, so kind good. of talk to you. I know. Yes. I'm so excited, and um, so tell them a little bit of, about yourself. Um, yeah, well, you said it. I'm a pastor and a podcaster. Um, I've been in ministry really since I was 14. Um, but my husband and I have been pastors for 17 years. We've pastored at three different churches and have had a college ministry at a local university, um, which I'm in the car driving, by the way. So if you hear road noise, friends, please <laughs> don't mind. Um, but anyways, and our college ministry is still going right now. And we're, we just started another one at another nearby college. And so, yeah, ministry is my heart. Discipleship is um, my life mission. And uh, otherwise, I, I have four boys that we have the joy of raising and a podcast, which is an outlet for all that. So, yeah, lots of different things. Yeah. And totally, I'm, I'm saying a shameless plug for her. Tell them a little bit about your podcast. Oh, bless it. Okay. So my podcast is called Java with Jen, hearing God's voice for everyday life. And, um, I realized that my life mission is to teach people how to hear God's voice for those everyday life situations, because God is our companion and the Holy spirit is our guide. And, um, so we tackle life topics on my podcast from marriage topics, to parenting, to, you know, fun stuff like, um, like seven things a man loves in a woman, you know, things like that. Uh, so we cover a real vast variety as well as learning to hear God's voice and just a lot of foundations on that topic as well. So, um, yeah, you can check it out and it's a lot fun. I've had Tiffany on there too. So, <laughs> yes, I've been, it's been an honor and, you know, I will say this. And one of the reasons why I asked Jenny to come on here for a couple reasons, um, for one, she has personally been someone 
in my life. We did ministry together when we were just, gosh, it felt like babes. Babies. Like, <laughs> yeah, right out of high school. And um, even then, Jenna Lee was such an influence to me of someone who listened to the voice of God, really mm. knew what he was saying and knew how to convey it to people so well. And um, she has spoken words over my life. And even in that time that really have stuck with me all these years later. And uh, so I really do believe that um, as she says, she's teaching it, but man, she's been practicing it for a long time. And so that has so much weight and value to it. And also um, I have been blessed to see her even through Instagram and all the social media to see how she has raised her children. And so as we were, as I was thinking about parenting, she was one of the first people that came to my mind um, because I have seen how she has taken four boys, different ages, and really instilled into them um, not just values, but she has, her and her husband both have a way of drawing out their giftings and callings. And you can see how her boys are so individual but they're yeah. walking in such a, a unique way. And so that's why, generally, that's why I wanted to have you on. Girl, your words break my heart in the best way. <laughs> uh, but seriously, when we were in Bible school together, I'm serious, when we were in Bible school together, Tiffany was one of those people that I felt the same way. Like you had a weightiness to your voice in hearing the Lord because I knew you had a life of prayer. You could just feel it when you were around Tiffany. And um, so I always took Tiffany's words very seriously as well. And of course, we had so much fun singing songs on the bus and harmonizing to each other and, yeah. you know, all the fun things. So, uh, but man, I, I really do genuinely appreciate your, your words because that really blesses me. Oh, for sure. And, you know, I know it's heart to heart for sure. And spirit to spirit. Yeah. And, um, and so before we begin, I, I just want to encourage you as a listener you know, I've had people say, um, I listen to this because it applies to me. Well, I think that even with parenting, whether you have children, no matter what ages, maybe you're a parent and have a child of various ages, I think there's some things that definitely just across the board apply. But also for someone who's listening who maybe doesn't have children at all, like myself, I don't have children, but I've mentored over the years. Um, and I was just talking to Jenna Lee that this verse came to my heart and um, the apostle Paul, um, we know that he didn't have necessarily physical children, but he had many children. And um, in first Quran, first Corinthians four fifteen, I love this in the amplified. It says, for even if you were to have 10,000 teachers, 10,000 teachers to guide you in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers who lead you to Christ and assumed responsibility for you. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the good news. So through the good news of Jesus, we can be fathers and mothers to a generation. And yeah. I believe it's needed more than ever. And I love how um, Paul says 10,000. I mean, that is beyond what we can think. I mean, we, we, we have all experienced maybe thousands of teachers that we listened to growing up or even biblical teachers, but yet God has a, a cry for fathers in the earth and mothers in the earth. And so I believe that no matter uh, where you're at in your life, if you have children or not, we all can take from this and learn from it and apply it. Um, even if we don't necessarily have children that came from our womb or seed or whatever. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I know. I feel like, I feel like it's, it's, making me uh just excited on the inside as you're talking about this because the whole reason I'm in a car right now driving from New York back home 
is because uh, one of my dear friends who was one of our former college students um, came, she came with me. She literally turned around and dropped everything. And we booked a ticket the very next day when we found out that one of our other former college students was out of state and was literally at death's door because she had basically been pulled into a cult-like church situation. Um, It was a Christian church, but just the impact on her was definitely the, the result of spiritual abuse. And, um, that it was just heartbreaking when we saw her, we came to get her out of the hospital, uh, with her mother. And we spent the last 24 hours contending for her in prayer, contending with the hospital that they'd release her to us. And then once we got her contending with her, because she kept having anxiety and panic attacks because of the mental torment that she had endured under this other leadership. And I'm telling you, when I talked to her a couple days ago, this mama bear in me rose up when I, I could tell she was not in a good place. And I said, Stephen, I have to go get her. I have to go get her. I cannot leave her there. I feel like she won't survive if I do it, just leave her there. And so, um, yeah, we jumped on a plane and came and I'm so grateful that Cynthia was ready to come and that her mama was available. Her mom was praying for help because she couldn't do it alone, had never flown. And I called her and said, how can I help? I figure you might already have tickets and we want to go get, get, get your daughter. And, um, and so, yeah, it just really came together and, but it is the result of spiritual parenting. And I don't, I don't claim that over a lot of people, but I do pour my life out on purpose because that's the only kind of fruit we're going to take to heaven. Yeah. That's the only fruit. And we don't see real difference in people's lives unless we're willing to roll up our sleeves and walk through life's messy moments patiently and intentionally and and labor with them through life's messy moments and that means you may not reach the masses and yet you actually still do so it's this weird thing where you may only be discipling or mentoring a couple of people maybe a handful of people in that capacity because it's hard to do a whole lot of people on that level um But the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day when I was getting discouraged about my impact in the earth. And he said, generally, he said, don't lose heart. He said, nations are changed in groups of five and 10. And, um, and, you know, families are about five, give or take. And maybe a small group is about 10. But his, his disciples, it was, it was 12, you know, so it was about the size of a group of 10. And that's how you change the world is groups of five and 10. And that's because the deep maternal fathering parental type adoption that we release into people's lives and, 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 and pour ourselves into someone's life. That's what changes a life. And so, sorry, that was a very long answer. No, no, no. Listen, I, I was feeling the spirit on that. And so (laughs) I think honestly, you know, that was a good flow. That was the Lord. And I, I think that that's so powerful because I think even Americanized views of impact tend to be big and not small. Yeah. And I think that um, we can get so lost because we tend to value big. We tend to value those who are going around and speaking at conferences and we tend to value um, just, you know, everything big ministry that we can minimize the things that actually are God and good and they're small. And, um, and if we're all honest, probably the things have impacted us the most. I mean, I have biblical sheroes and heroes, 
you know, um, Bible teachers who their teachings have impacted my life. But I can tell you the real life impacts have been the people who have sat with me, who have sat in my mess with me, who have trained me, my my grandparents, my parents. These have been the people that are my real life heroes. And yeah. um, and I know some people listening maybe didn't come from good parents. And, you know, they're trying to change patterns even as they lead a new generation and their own children or or whatever it may be. Um, God has such a way of redeeming things because in Malachi, it doesn't say that he will turn the hearts to the conferences and the conferences to the people and to the pastor. It (laughs) says that he will turn the hearts of the father to the children and the children's to the father. So if that's the hugest sign of, of what Jesus is doing in the earth, then it shows that that father heart of God permeates in everything he does, including the sending of his own son to die for us. And so I think what you said is very powerful because, um, Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the father and he didn't say that you've seen a pastor. He didn't say you've seen a shepherd. He said that you've seen the father. And so I really do believe, um, I can already tell we're going to do a part one and part two of this, but, um, (laughs) because this is too good. And, um, But I just, I think that's why too, you know, we can tend to compartmentalize parenting to just being one aspect of, I have children and now I am trying to to lead them. But if we see it from the very beginning, God, the father who created humanity, it's all the way to the end of our story. And so if, if we as well are called to walk in his ways, then we all take on the mantle of being a spiritual parent. Yeah, it's so true. And I, and I want to encourage to those who actually do have children and that want to, cause I went through this, especially when my kids were really little, where I felt like my hands were tied and I couldn't be involved in ministry, even though my heart really ached to be. Yeah. Um, and it was for a short season that I wasn't really able cause I was drowning in babies. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but when I did, when I was able to get back involved, you know, it was still limited because my priority are my kids. And for some time I, I started to look at my kids, like they were a barrier to me fulfilling the call of God on my life. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord corrected me. And he said, generally, I said, Lord, I'm wasting time wiping noses and diapers when I could be, you know, getting, getting equipped for the things you have for me. And he said, generally, he said, the things you're doing right now in being faithful and diligent are the very things that are equipping you for what I have for you. And, uh, and again, that in the families, like who else are we going to naturally have to mother and father besides our very own children? But there are some, some people, and I got caught up in it where we feel like it's more noble to be pouring ourselves into people outside of our family. And our family is just this nuisance thing that we've got to tolerate and, and deal with. But we have to shift that focus because then you end up with these kids who grow up hating ministry because their parents neglected them for it. And these kids are all broken, not fulfilling the call of God on their life because they're wounded by the church secondhand, you know. And um, and so as parents, like. I see the calling of God on my kids lives and I realize I'm responsible to steward that and, and to nurture that and to provide for that and to, to help make that happen. And so about the time I get discouraged that I'm not discipling anyone, the Lord reminds me, uh, you have four disciples right now Pour your best into them. <laughs> so that's really good. I'm so glad that you shared that. Um, cause I remember there was a ministry leader 
that we both were a part of. And I remember um, the ministry leader's wife said, you know, that she was at a conference and her husband was preaching and she was holding her babies. And she remembers looking at him going, you're hindering me from my ministry. And the Lord spoke to her and he said, I equipped you to, to minister to that child. And, um, and it, the Lord had to do that too. And I, I think you're right on, um, even coming from a pastoral family, myself and my grandfather being a pastor and being raised in the church, um, man, it is, it's amazing how the family unit really is the powerful ministry of, of which we have. And, um, and so this kind of actually, I'm glad you said this kind of leads me into my first question anyways, because I want to know how are your boys different and what are ways are they actually similar? Oh. Uh... So I have, I have four boys. They're 10, 12, 14, and 16. And they're all uber different from the way that they look to their personalities. I mean, they're all different, um, different Enneagram types. They're all different, uh, you know, the, the color personalities where they have different core needs. There's four of them. And all, all of my four are different ones. And so I recognized early on that I was going to have to adapt my parenting style to speak the language of that child. And that means you really have to study your kid. You have to know what makes them tick, what their core fears are, what their core motivators are, and um, what opens their heart up. You know, knowing their love language is really important. And so, yeah, just, just paying attention to those things about your child and coming alongside of the unique way that God made them and working with it rather than trying to force your kid to work with you because, well, I mean, there's that too. You do, you need to do that in some regards, but I just remember observing these families where you'd have multiple kids that grew up in the same family, but grow up with very different lifestyles. And one may end up growing a rebel, hating the way he was raised. And the other one is a perfect angel thinking they had the perfect family. And it's like, how did these two kids have such two different experiences in the same home, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's because their, their own personal lens and their own personal filter, which comes from their personality and their temperament and their needs is what will color their experience. And so knowing what their temperament is, what their needs are, what their personality is, will help you come alongside of and complement how God's made them so they can have the best experience in your family. It won't be perfect, but it'll be better. <laughs> so that's, that's good. And you know, what are some practical ways that you did that generally? Um, for one, studying their, their Enneagram types. Now this is super practical, but um, doing research on their personalities. Cause I, when I didn't know what their personalities were, it, it made me feel a little lost and like I was guessing. Um, but when I figured out that my oldest son was an Enneagram nine wing one, a peacemaker with really motivated to make sure he's right, morally right. Then I realized that if I said things to him that made him feel like he was bad, then it really crushed his spirit. And those are a deeper kind of wound than if you just hurt their feelings. And so I had to learn to change my language in how I talked to him. I also needed to realized that when he got so bothered by his brothers fighting, it's because his core need was for peace. And so I also needed to give him space to get alone and do those things that made him feel at peace and at rest and safe in that way. And so that's how I kind of would protect him and nurture him. And then, you know, my second son is an Enneagram three wing four. So he's driven to be an achiever, but he's also very emotional, very emotional. And so 
sometimes those emotions really get the best of him and it can be very frustrating, but me making sure I'm speaking his love language and making him feel super loved on and that he's amazing because an achiever needs to feel like they're, they're awesome. And so I've got to speak that language for him, but then also teaching him how to steward his emotions and, and learn to know himself and be able to recognize when he's picking up on stuff that's in the atmosphere, but it's not his stuff, but it's in the atmosphere, teaching him to discern that as a feeler. Um, And so I just, those kind of things with each of them. um, And that's what I mean by studying your child, like learning what their strengths are, learning their weaknesses and adapting your language to to respect it and speak in a way that, that gets to their heart faster. Yeah, that's really powerful. And, um, now did you and Steven have a parenting plan before or while you were pregnant? And, um, yeah, did you, did you guys have anything that in mind before you had your family? I loved this question. <laughs> and I yeah. showed it to my husband and I was like, babe, did we have a parenting plan? And he was like, uh, keep him alive. <laughs> Basically what it was keep them alive. Um, no, no, I did not have a parenting plan, but I did know that I wanted to raise children with as minimal trauma as possible and with enough confidence to pursue the things God had on their life. That was my plan. And, um, so yeah, no real major plan. Not one I wish I could share that was rocket science, but, um, it kind of evolved as I, as I struggled and grew through parenthood our parenting plan kind of emerged on its own, you know? Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. Kind of morphing into that. Like I'm sure it's morphed over the years and, yeah. you know, going into it as new parents and then from one to four, I'm sure there was, has been a lot of learning along the way. Yeah. 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 There was, especially, I feel like every kid that we added, like the years become more and more of a blur because of sleeplessness and <laughs> adrenaline yeah. just to, to keep functioning. Um, yeah, they were all very little together. I think I had all of them before my oldest had turned six. So I had, I had them all five and under. And so, yeah, it was a blur, but in different ages, I feel like reading is really important, but there was definitely a series of years that I stopped reading parenting books because it, it became, um, overwhelming that I was trying to figure out what parenting model to follow rather than realizing that the way God has built me and built my husband is exactly what my kids need as a parent. Um, and so I, I kind of started tuning out all the external voices at some point and started leaning into, okay, I have what my kids need. I just need to make sure I'm walking in wisdom and listening to the Lord and being my best self, because then I'm going to bring them what they actually need. And, um, and so I, when I realized that, Like, I guess I was always feeling like I was trying to figure out what's the right way to do this. What's the right way to discipline my kids? What's the right way to spend time with my kids? What's the right way to do this and that? And when I had the epiphany that I get to just choose uh, how my kids are raised based on what we feel is important, then it kind of broke all that off and gave me a lot of freedom. And so I think it was when I, when I, again, observing families realized that there were some families who had very kind, respectful, courteous children. And it's because of how their parents taught them to behave. And then you'd have parents who had really unruly, rotten, 
horrible children that nobody wanted around. And it's because of how parent, their parents raised them and allowed them to behave. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, dang, we get to set the bar, set the bar wherever we want, you know? And if I don't, if I don't like it, then I don't have to be okay with it. And we get to teach them otherwise. And so we have teenagers now and everyone says, oh, just wait for the teen years. They're horrible. Guess what? I'm still waiting for them to be horrible. I don't Mm -hmm. think they will be because we've trained our kids through puberty when they get all emotional and stuff that we still hold them accountable to a righteous attitude and to having a respectful attitude. And even when they're hormonal, you know, we try to give a little grace for it, but we still talk through things. And I'm like, listen, I know what it is to be hormonal. I do it every month, but (laughs) I have to choose. I have to choose not to bite your head off just because I am having hormonal issues, you know? And so you have to choose to be respectful, even though you're having hormonal issues. Okay. That's called self-control. And so, and we discipline them accordingly. If they're treating their brothers disrespectfully, if they're talking to us disrespectfully, if they're, if they're violating boundaries on their cell phone or, or, um, you know, in any regard, then we discipline them. We say, Hey, this is not how you're to behave because you're a man of God. You're better than that. You're a Samuel. We expect you to operate with love and kindness and respect. So here's the consequences. And then we give them consequences. And we just kind of set the bar that teenage years are not going to be a nightmare. They're going to be a blessing. And they have been. So that's amazing. And uh, this part one's about to come to a close, unfortunately. But I I just want to highlight a couple things that you just mentioned that I thought were, were really good and really vital. Um, okay. And a couple things, what you said with the book, I think it's really powerful to know that God gives us everything that we need to do yeah. the, the tasks that he has asked us to do. Yeah. And um, even as a parent. And so it is so easy to think like, you know, you, you, it's the fear of the unknown or how do I do this or how do I do it right? But knowing that the Lord will also equip you and sustain you because he's called you in your own personality to pour into a child or pour into to, uh, maybe someone in your life. And, and that's really helpful that God is choosing you in your frame to do the work and that yeah. he's not requiring you to do it any differently than outside of your frame. But, you know, obviously he teaches us and leads us along the way, but I think yeah. some, I think it's like anything, you know, where they're, when people get married, they think they'll become a different person or, you know, <laughs> become, get, you know, like all of a sudden you're a parent and you think you're just going to like transform overnight. And, and the truth is you will still be you. Yeah, it's true at the end of the day. And so I thought that that's really good. And even as you were saying about your children and all that, I love that you guys established early to have the hard conversations with your kids. Yeah. And I think that does help with the teenage years and all that, because, you know, you guys have um, and, and you said it, but I know that you've done it even without you saying it is that you guys have been so intentional with the conversations that you guys have. And also you cast a vision for your children. And yeah. just like you said at the end, you know, um, why don't you do this? It's because this is who you are, you yeah. know? And I think that is so good because that goes beyond the, why not do this? Well, because I said, so, you know, yeah. that doesn't fly with kids. Um, doesn't fly with me as an adult in my workplace, you know? And so, um, but having that vision of going, because this is what I see in you and calling forth those attributes, it makes, I feel like, you know, even for me, my personality, 
when I have a vision, it makes me understand this is why I don't do these things because I'm set apart for yeah. something that's actually better. Yeah, it's so true. And if I can add a caveat to you, yeah, um, I, I feel like a, there is always an op, there is always a place for, I did learn this the hard way. There is a place for, because I said so at times. <laughs> sure, because, sure, sure. Because my kids definitely learned at some point, if I always explain to them why and what every time, then they, they learned to be disobedient until they got an explanation. Yeah. And I was like, uh, no, 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 no. You need to understand authority. And if I say so, I say so. And you just need to do it and you'll get an explanation later, you know? So th- there's a, there's a time and a place for it. So parents, if you say that I said so thing, you know, there's a time and place for it, but, um, but yes, I ultimately want their decisions to be built off of their identity, not just because they were told to do something alone. You know what I mean? Cause right. that's how you grow them into people who are motivated by identity, um, and then the caveat with the book thing is, is reading is good and reading is actually important, but it's important that you read, not looking for how do I do this right? Because inherently, I don't think I know how to do this, but read looking for, Hey, what can give me inspiration, but knowing that you are what they need. And so, you know, getting, getting knowledge, getting practical tools, the baby wise book series, child wise, kid wise, teen wise, and preteen wise, those are really excellent books. They're very practical. And so those are super helpful books. Um, but again, always realizing that your core inspiration needs to come from the Holy spirit and from your own place of conviction as a parent and then community too. I have gained some really life-changing parenting tips from parents around me. And so anyways, I just wanted to kind of round out that answer. (laughs) Yes, no, please do. I mean, obviously I don't have kids. So that, that is very powerful and I think it's needed. And I think even what you said with community, um, that's important too. And so, um, well, as we close, do you mind praying for those listening today um, that the Lord would give them wisdom and anything else that's on your heart? Sure. Absolutely. Father, I just thank you for um, Tiffany's listeners. And I thank you, Lord, that you ordain our steps and anyone who is in the sound of this podcast, Lord, we just believe that it was because we wanted them to hear some of these concepts shared. And so Holy Spirit, I ask that you would um, just uh, anoint and awaken any of the truths in this podcast that are going to bring life in their family. I pray, Lord, you'd give them practical wisdom, practical tools, connect them to the mentors that they need as parents and connect them to resources that are going to help them parent better. But I thank you, Holy Spirit, that ultimately you and the anointing you've placed on our life teaches us all things. And I pray that you would um, teach these mothers and fathers how to lean into your voice as their counselor and as their helper to approach parenting from a spirit-led God first, spirit first approach where they know that they are leading with love and leading with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, I look forward to part two and hasn't she been a joy? You guys, you're going to love part two. Okay. And today's life hack 
I am uh, sharing with you something that I'm actually reading out of the boundaries book in the marriage chapter. So yes, you can have boundaries in marriage. If you didn't know that, that's a whole other topic for another day. But you can also, and it's necessary to have boundaries with your kids. Now, here's why this is a life hack, because not many of us grew up being taught about boundaries or even better than that, how how to do them, what that looks like on a practical basis. But there's, in fact, sometimes as parents, we feel like our identity and sense of significance goes to the wayside while we put all our energy into raising these tiny humans well, right? Unfortunately, if, if our parenting lacks boundaries, then you can actually end up growing to resent or even not like your own children. And it's not that they're bad kids. It's really probably that you have a lack of boundaries in your parenting. Now, Here's the hardest thing about boundaries. Holding your boundaries is <laughs> the hardest thing about boundaries. But boundaries are important because boundaries, in fact, you can go reference my boundaries episode if you'd like to get more on that. Uh, you'll have to dig. I don't know which one it is. Maybe 51. I'm not sure. Um, but boundaries are the lines that we draw so I can safely love you and safely love me at the same time. Boundaries are not walls. They're not barriers. And they're not uh, barricades to keep you out. They're just lines so I know where my limits are and I can give you freely from a heart that's willing and generous to give and not a heart that's going to be resenting. So let me read this little tiny little excerpt that I thought was really practical and helpful. Uh, We are finite creatures and must give as we decide in our heart to give. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Being aware of when we are giving past the love point to the resentment point. Problems arise when we blame someone else for our own lack of limits. Often spouses or children will do more, or parents, I mean, will do more than they really want to and then resent the other for not stopping them from overgiving. And I bring this up because as parents, and I've raised little ones, so I totally understand, if I find that my kids are consistently treating me in a way that's making me start to resent them, not want them around, not want to be helpful, just kind of have a, an ugly attitude in my heart towards them, that is a sure sign that somewhere there should have been a boundary and I violated it or I'd never created it in the first place. And so a boundary might look like, you know, my kids before they leave the house. They were all leaving before school without ever coming to say goodbye to me and it was starting to hurt my feelings and it's just not a healthy habit. So I started looking them each in the face one-on-one and explaining, hey, before you leave the house, come find me and come say goodbye if I haven't already come to find you. But do not get in the car and leave if you didn't say goodbye to me. Now that sounds really simple, but it actually is a really, and I'm thinking about their marriages down the road, right? That's an important discipline to have built in for when they have a wife and when they have their own kids. It just is actually a really important point of connection. In fact, statistically, people who have a goodbye kiss before work live like 30% longer or something crazy. So that's just a tiny example. Or like, say your kid is going through teenage years and they, I have one child who is in that puberty phase and he's starting to have much stronger, angry responses, much more harsh with his voice, much more volatile and aggressive. Well, I sit and I talk with him and I establish some boundaries. And I'm like, listen, you cannot treat people like X, Y, Z. You might be going through some hormonal changes. And so I understand, I understand that 
it's easier to get angry, but that doesn't make it okay. And then I explain what would be a better response and what the consequences are if he continues to violate those standards in how to treat people right. And this teaches him how to manage his emotions, how to take a breath and breathe deep and do what's right no matter how he feels. So these are important ways that we implement boundaries with our kids. If your kids, if you feel like your kids are always screaming at you, they don't listen to you, they run you over, listen, your kids will obey to the measure that you teach them that they need to obey. If you have disobedient children, it's because you allowed them in some way, shape, or form to be disobedient. You get to decide what the standard is. But you have to, when you draw that line of I expect obedience the first time, you have to then implement what the consequence is and hold it regardless how they respond or regardless how inconvenient it is for you. That's the whole game changer with boundaries. If you don't hold the boundary, no one believes your boundaries, right? So anyways, that's a little life hack. There's, if you are actually looking for a way to learn more about this, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud writes the book Boundaries, and in it he kind of goes into boundaries with parents and work and spouses, but I believe he has different um, books written specifically targeting those unique relationships, and so it would definitely be worth looking into. In fact, if I, I'll go look on Amazon, and I'll drop some links in the description notes to see um, about making sure to, that you can get to them easily. And so anyways, that's your life hack. If your kids make you unhappy or if your kids are a source of resentment, sit down and write out, why do I resent my kid? Where do I feel like I'm giving beyond where I feel like I need to or should? And what would be a boundary I can draw where, or a, like a standard I can implement where I feel like I can safely love them and safely love me at the same time? And what you got to do with boundaries is communicate them ahead of time. Let them know, hey, listen, when you do this, that's your choice. But my response is going to be this. And you then take a powerful position, not an overbearing one. It makes them responsible for their choices and it leaves you managing only your responses. If they're going to cuss at their brother, well, then your response will be they will remove, they'll lose privileges or they may get a spanking or they may get soap in their mouth or whatever, you know, so... I highly encourage you to read this book, Boundaries. It changed my marriage, has changed my whole outlook on life, made me feel powerful in my life in ways that I didn't realize I was not very powerful. So that's your life hack for today. Seven minutes, it's a little extra, but it was a short episode. So there you have it. I love you guys. Make sure go and check out the merch store. And again, if you're in Phoenix or the Phoenix area, I will be there on September, the whole actually last week and a half of September, I'll be there. But September 24th is a women's conference called In Trust. If you'd like to get registered or you'd like to go, I'll put the link in the description notes as well. And I would love to see you if you're in the Phoenix area. So shoot me a message if you are. You can email me at javawithjenpodcast at gmail.com or you can message me on Instagram at javawithjen. And until next time. Check out the merch store, follow me on Instagram, and if you're in Phoenix, let me know so I can see ya. Okay, talk to you later, guys. Love you. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. 
Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.